I'm Pastor Angel Halstead. I'm the pastor of Mosaic Community Church in Philadelphia. Good morning, Mosaic. Hi, everyone. It's so wonderful to be with everyone this way. It's me, Melissa, and I have my whole family here with me. Who do we have here? So we just want to say how much we miss seeing everybody at church and uh, really just being all together. We really miss that. And we hope that everyone's doing well. Do you guys have any messages for your Mosaic friends? I miss playing with my friends. Me too. And I hope everybody's staying healthy. All right. Take good care, everyone. God bless you. Hello, everybody. I hope this morning finds you all well and healthy. This is my husband, Carl. And this is my wife, Andrea. God's blessings to you all. Good, Good morning, morning Mosaic. Hi, I welcome you to Mosaic Community Church located in beautiful West Philly, Pennsylvania in the United States. We are a beautiful tapestry of race and gender from every walk of life. We dare to come together because we have a vision. We think Philly is a great city and we believe that being a church that reflects all the kingdom of God in our diversity makes Philly that much better, makes our state that much better, our country and our world that much better. And so you are welcome and we are so glad to have you here today to add to the tapestry, the mosaic that is our church. And so we want you to sit back and enjoy worship today. We want you to sing out loud and lift up hands God has made holy as we come together to give Jesus praise and celebrate our life together in Christ. Have a wonderful time, enjoy the service today. Click and let us know, or maybe in the chat box uh, or on Facebook and in that chat box, let us know you were here today and uh, we'd love to connect with you. You can reach me, angel at mosaicphiladelphia.org. Just send me a note if you have a need, I want you to know we're here for you. We care about what's going on in your lives. We will pray for you. We will walk with you. We will stand with you. So again, enjoy the service today. God bless. Enjoy worship. What holds your heart? What stirs your soul? What matters come to mind? The cares you keep, the thoughts you think, it's not always the time. Seek and ye will find. Joy still comes in the morning. Hope still walks with the hurting. If you're still alive and breathing, praise the Lord. Don't stop dancing and dreaming. Still good news worth repeating. So lift your head and keep singing. Praise the The years roll by, 
we wonder why we lost our way from home our father finds the child inside we left for growing old awake awake my soul joy still comes in the morning hope still walks with the hurting if you're still alive and breathing praise the lord don't stop dancing and dreaming still good news worth repeating so lift your head and keep singing praise the lord let everything let everything let everything praise the lord in the working in the waiting let it praise the lord in the blessing in the breaking come on praise the lord in the dying the rising let it praise the Tim, and this is Miss Jess, and we have Josie with us. We're going to sing a song of worship for you this morning. We're going to sing Amazing Grace. Here we go.
Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, 
according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what, it is, what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The title of our sermon today is um, Reenchanting the World. It sounds like something of fairy tales, or maybe it is given you know, what we know of our world's pain-filled history. Yet I think our need to craft fairy tales is a product of our souls reaching out to imagine our hopes and our dreams. We're prone to say that fairy tales are fantasies or for children, but I beg to differ. They are given to us all as a means of seeing new possibilities for hope and for joy and even love. They present reasons for us to have faith. In many of the fairy tales we see human struggle there is good in the world, as seen in the beauty of the world itself in the fairy tales, or we see beauty in the person or the central character. But there's evil, and it's present attempting to overtake what's good. So, you know, that's a lot like life. But as we get older, we tell ourselves, that we have to put away fairy tales, that good doesn't always win, and we need to accept that as a reality in life. But I say, nah, no we don't, no we don't. We may experience temporary drawbacks, but we don't have to give up believing that good wins. Now, Karl Marx argued that religion works to calm uncertainty over our role in the universe and in society and to maintain the, stat the status quo of the masses. Said it this way, religion is the opium of the masses. Religion has been used for many things, both good and bad. When I think of religion, I define it as humanity's attempt to reach God. And in some ways, our attempts are met like the Tower of Babel because we not only want to reach God, but we want to surpass God. That's not so good. 
We've, we've done many things in our attempt to reach God, to show God that we're worthy of God's attention and care. Taking up stances God did not require and fighting physical, political, and spiritual wars or battles God did not call us to fight. God has given us what we need. God said this, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. In these words, we find an ease in the way we interact with the diversity that's in creation. No, in these words, is no opium. It's not a drug. It's a path, a way forward for us to allow what is inside of us to come out, enhancing the earth and all of creation, making it better, helping it and us be more so we all experience fullness and plenty. It is, if there is a high to be experienced, it's in fulfilling our purpose. But filling our purpose or fulfilling our purpose has nothing to do with maintaining the status quo and everything to do with re-enchanting the world, taking something that is already enchanting, that is pleasing and appealing and delightful and turning it to, into something that's even more. God gave us the earth and the, and the earth, God gave the earth to us and us to the earth to replenish what was plentiful because God gave us all the raw material we needed to make it more and better. There are a host of synonyms for the word replenish, but I'd like us to hold on to these words as we listen to the sermon. To refill, to refresh, to saturate, and to overflow. To take what God has given and do something amazing with it. Now, bear with me. I need to get through an explanation of Genesis 1.28 so I can move to Ephesians 1. And who knew? You know, I've preached so many ser sermons on 1.28 and each of them has been different in its own way. There are such depths in God's word that I don't know if we can reach the bottom, but I'm enjoying the journey. So, we have to get through the rest of the verse in Genesis 1.28, the portion, uh, and I want to get to the portion that's been so often misunderstood. Now, in the King James Version of the Bible, after the word replenish or fill the earth, um, are the words, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we've got to deal with the words subdue and dominion. Now first, subdue. When we hear this word, we tend to think of things like overpowering something by force, or bringing it under someone's control, or to make something submissive, right? All of these implying to force something against its will. But that is not the meaning of the word used here. Now, the word used, used here for subdue in Genesis 1.28 is the Hebrew, Hebrew word kabosh. It in scripture is mainly used to speak of Yahweh or God subduing the land. 
Now the point of God subduing the land is not a matter of humiliation or forcing it against his will. No, it's not that. It means making things be as they should be to bring about peace and shalom. Now, that's a lot different from the notion of having to beat the world into submission, isn't it? How many of us grew up in church hearing that uh, subduing the earth in Genesis 1.28, making things as they should be to bring about peace and shalom? Now seriously, did you hear that? Tell me yes or no in the, in the, cha in the chat. Now, I didn't grow up hearing that. I'm a visual person, so the images conjured up by the descriptions of what this word meant stirred in my mind um, where it was a world that was hostile and you had to break it before it broke you, you know? So that's really different from making things as they should be to bring about shalom, fullness, completeness, peace. It means bringing the best out of creation. And it now implies nurture instead of brute force or conquering. Okay, now for the word dominion or rule. The Hebrew word for this is rada. Rada is a word used in relation to royalty. It's related to the dominating rule of a royal person or royal power. Now, when I was studying this word, I came across a way of helping us understand it, uh, us understand what this type of ruler was like by exploring the scripture, okay? So let's look at Psalms 72, if you have your Bibles, you turn on your phone. Um, this is the kind of king God desires. Psalms 72, verse 8. The king will rule, or the, uh, the royal will rule, Rada, from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth, so shall the royal rule or have dominion. But this king's rule and dominion looks like what's stated in verses 12 to 14, and it reads, for the royal will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. The royal will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. The royal will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his or her sight. Now, in Ezekiel 34, verse 4, it tells us about the kind of king God doesn't want, okay? These words God spoke through his prophet or through God's prophet of the, about the previous kings of Israel. God said this, You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not bought, brought about or brought back the stray or searched for the lost. You have failed them harshly and brutally. So God wants those that have dominion to rule in a way that protects the defenseless and provides justice. So when we apply what we have learned from how it's used in the context within the scripture, we come to understand that God wants humanity to exercise a dominion that's protecting creation while gaining or benefiting from its bounty. 
but not abusing it or stealing its ability to continue to have life and experience life abundantly. And so, have you heard this before? That our ruling or having dominion on the earth means we are to protect it and care for it? Not simply to strip it of all its resources as if we have a right to do so. And not as if God is okay with our doing that. We hold the earth in a sacred trust given to us by God. We don't have to fight to fulfill our purpose, be fruitful, multiply, subdue and have dominion. They're not fighting words. If we aren't to force our will upon the earth, then of course we're not supposed to force our will upon one another, other human beings. God created us to be fruitful and to multiply and spreading peace and spreading God's shalom through the earth by protecting it, by benefiting or making use of it, by taking care of it, by taking care of what God has given us. No forcing our way on it. This is what it means to have respect for creation. And this is what it means to respect the one who's created it all. Reenchanting the world might seem to be a thing belonging to fairy tales, but it's not. We were created to each and all, every one of us, participate in enhancing the wonder of creation. This is no fairy tale. And enhancing creation is not forcing our will upon it toward its destruction. It is the embodied difference in humanity, honoring and loving the embodied difference of creation because we were all created by the God who is embodied difference, who exists in loving and honoring relationship with one another as we are supposed to live in honoring and loving relationship with all other humans and with creation. So you might say, okay, Pastor, why are we talking about this? About this re-enchanting the world, right, stuff. I think it's really important for us to locate ourselves. I think it's important to locate where God is and locate where we are so we can bridge the difference and bring us back together. I need it. I, I need to bridge that difference. I think you need to bridge that. And because I believe the world needs us to, to help the world bridge the difference. Or we won't have a wonderful world in which to bring and experience shalom. Given the world's history, even given our present history, fires, taking place, storms and hurricanes, tornadoes showing up where tornadoes are not supposed to show up. Sometimes in our living this life, it's hard to find things to call enchanting. I know, I don't wanna talk about that 
So I'm going to start with first defining the word enchanting because we need to be on the same page with our definition so we know what we're all talking about, okay? It's defined as being delightfully charming and attractive or having a quality that attracts and holds your attention by being interesting. So it has synonyms that include magical, fascinating, enthralling, pleasing, gratifying, captivating, and having mystery. Its opposite is disenchanting, which means to be disillusioned or to take away the ideals or idealism of and to make disappointed and bitter. Too often I found myself experiencing the disappointment and fighting bitterness. I look out and think, is this all there is? There has got to be something more. God could not just make me for this, but I'm looking and seeing the world with old eyes. The synonyms we could use for disillusionment include having a rude awakening or, or to bring down to oh to earth because our hopes are too high, or to open the eyes so we see what's really in front of our faces. When speaking of our disenchantment, we use words that imply that we should have never been enchanted in the first place. Shatter the illusion, bring back down to earth, open our eyes so we really see what's in front of our faces. But those words, which originally described our purpose, be fruitful and multiply, they're still enchanting, denoting the beauty of our origins and the purpose God gave us. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and help the earth meet its potential and protect all its inhabitants. Some of the mystery, the enchantment of God's words were dulled because of the separation traditionally called the fall. The consequence of the first humans not choosing to draw closer to God, but to suspect God of withholding from them, it caused them to take what was not given, freely given. And as a result, they began to struggle and toil in their efforts to enhance the earth. Thus, it promoted a change in the meaning of subdue from the experience of enhancing and making better for peace to taking by force. Now when you think about that, isn't that what was done by the first human beings in the garden? They took what was not given. This misunderstanding of subdue continues to plague our interactions with God. It plagues our interactions with each other and we can see its harm in our interactions with creation. All of this has harmed how we view this world and its inhabitants. Instead of being a place of wonder and joy-filled exploration that attracts and holds our interest, it's tinged with fear. Fear of harm that can come from actually exploring the world. And that probably to varying degrees, depending on the favor that you received in your socioeconomic status in this world. Or maybe you and I, maybe we learned 
that we must conquer and defeat obstacles in our way. Maybe we were trained with that kind of upbringing. It's more than just semantics. It's an attitude we carry about our place in God's creation. And we have to do the work needed to ensure that our attitudes match our God-given purpose. So you could say, again, Pastor Angel, that's nice, but the world is a big place and a lot has happened over the centuries. Is it even possible to return to that kind of simplistic approach? That re-enchanting re the world stuff. It's nice, it's a nice thought, but that boat has sailed. And most of us are just trying to survive in this world. Now, I have a couple of things to say to that. Because that's real, I respect it, I understand. But again, I want to line up to where, where God is and close that gap of understanding and commitment and dreaming. First, as a church, our vision statement says that we believe that people can live lives that are spiritually connected, purpose-filled, and satisfied. Simply surviving doesn't begin to touch any of those things. We are created to thrive, to flourish in God's creation. We were created for it. It is our home. God has not changed God's mind. God still intends to see the outcome God planned from the very beginning, which leads to my second point. Number two. God intends to see God's desired outcome, and so God has not abandoned us. God is there to help. God will give us assistance that not only helps us to do, but inspires us and gives us the joy and the new vision needed to see the world differently and to help re-enchant, reanimate the world to God's intention. Now, turn with me to the first chapter of the letter to the Ephesians. I love this letter. I've said that, I don't know, probably a million times now. It's my favorite book in the Bible. The scholars speak of its uh, purpose being Paul's desire for readers to grow in faith and love, wisdom and revelation in God. So Paul seeks to strengthen our faith and our spiritual foundation by discussing God's eternal purpose in redemption. To bring all things, this is it, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one leader, under one head, and that being Jesus Christ. That sounds like embodied difference, doesn't it? So, this book begins with these enchanting words after its introduction, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Those were the words. Now, years ago, I preached a sermon called The Hookup. Back then, someone uh, hooking us up meant 
that they were going that they were going to give us something that would benefit us. Kind of like this. Say you wanted to get a stereo system for your car and it was like $140. Well, the hookup would be that they would give you a $200 value stereo system for the car, but for the price of $140 and that was a hookup. That's the definition I'm talking about. Not today's. That one, okay? Now that's like your parents announcing that they have already gotten all the presents that you will ever receive from them in life in advance and that there is no limit to their generosity and blessing toward you. It's like my birthday, it's Christmas, it's Juneteenth and the 4th of July and it's just because I felt like getting it for you all in one. That's what verse 3 is about. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every blessing, with every hookup there is to be hooked up with in the heavenlies. Now this scripture goes on to say that God chose you and I to be in Christ before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in God's sight. Because God loved us, God orchestrated our adoption as God's children through Jesus Christ because it was pleasing, there's that word for enchantment, because it was pleasing to God to do so. Um, as I said, pleasing is another word for enchantment, to find something so enthralling, so beautiful, so pleasing that it holds your attention. God found and finds the very thought of us being God's children pleasing. We've held God's attention since the beginning of time. In Jesus, we have redemption, meaning absolution, atonement, reparation, through Jesus' blood, meaning that through Jesus' blood, we receive forgiveness from separation from God, from one another, and from the rest of creation, because God lavishly, richly lavishes us with God's love. And that love takes shape in the form of forgiveness. Now listen to this. And God has made known to us, you and I, the mystery of God's will according to God's good pleasure, which God purposed in Christ. Hear this. This is the hookup. That we get to know, to unravel the mystery of God's will concerning us. In the Message Bible, it says it this way. Chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, God had God's eye on us. God had designs on us for living glorious lives. This, this part of the overall purpose, this is part of the overall purpose God is working out in everything and in everyone. This isn't um, an, an Old Testament scripture. It's found in the New Testament. It's not uh, being said in Genesis before the separation, but in Ephesians after Jesus took his life back up and gave us ours back. The Message Bible continues in verses uh, 13 and 14. It says, it's in Christ that you and I once we heard the truth and believed it, found ourselves home free. We were signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. 
this signet or authoritative seal that's on us now is from God. And it is the first installment on what's coming. All those hookups, that's what's coming, those blessings. And it's a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us that is of praising and of glory to our lives that he, that God might be glorified. Paul was so excited by this that Paul said these next words. That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in Jesus and your outpouring of love for all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Paul said, every time I prayed, I think of you and give thanks, but I do more than just give thanks. I ask, I ask the God of our Lord Jesus Christ to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing God, Jesus personally. I pray that the eye, your eyes would be focused and clear so that you can see exactly what Jesus is calling you to do. That you could grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life Jesus has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust in him. Endless energy, boundless strength. Now, my paraphrase added to verses 20 to 23. It's this same energy or power that God used in raising Jesus from the dead and then used in enthroning Jesus deep in heaven, making him be in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name, no power exempt, being exempt from his rule. And Moses, I mean, and Mosaic, what kind of ruler or king did God want? One who will deliver the needy, who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will have pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from uh, oppression and violence for precious is there is our blood in his sight. This is who Jesus is. No name or power is exempt from Jesus's rule. And that word rule, dominion, no name. No power is exempt from that authority, but it's a caring authority to take care of, to protect, to bring about shalom, peace, fulfillment, plenty in our lives. That is not just his role for a time or a season, but that's Jesus's role forever. He is in charge of it all and has final word on everything. At the center of it all, we find Jesus. And close to Jesus, we find the church. Jesus rules. The church, you see, is not on the periphery of the world. The world is on the periphery of the church. Now God has us where God wants us or wanted us all along. With all the time in the world and in, and in the next world to come to shower us with grace and kindness. 
Saving us was God's idea and all God's work. All we do is trust God enough to let God do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. The Message Bible paraphrase verses 19 through 22. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You are no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. God is building a home. God is using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what God is building. God used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now God is using you and me fitting each of us in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day by day. A holy temple built by God. All of us built into it. A temple in which God is quite at home. A temple in which God is quite at home, leading us, guiding us, communicating with us as we live through the energy, the power God used to raise Jesus from the dead because that energy, that dynamos, is alive and active in us. We re-enchant the world because we get to see the world through new eyes, because we've been made a new creation in Christ Jesus, because we walk by faith and not by sight, because we dare to believe that God is present in and present to the world through us. And the life we now live leads us to seek and find and rescue what has been lost to God and to us to share the beauty and the wonder of our life with Christ and to let folks know that they too can have the connection with God that is so close and so genuine that God would communicate with them as God communicates with us. This is our relationship with God and others can and will grow in relationship with God as we continue to joyfully unravel the mystery of living life in partnership with God and God with us. And we grow as new creations. We get to explore that mosaic. We get to explore this. We are a congregation of embodied difference in the world. And we are in a world that embodies difference but doesn't understand it. There are discoveries for us to make and discoveries for us to help the world see and understand. In sharing this message of redemption, we get back on point to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth and to have dominion to rule, to subdue, to care, to love, to guide, to be there for, to nourish, to support. We get to do that. We continue as holy and blameless people in being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth. We can re-enchant it. 
because we are helping to move it away from what separates us back to what unifies us. We get to speak these things, Mosaic, and so much more. For greater is the God who is in us than the gods in the world that work to separate us from each other. This, we get to do this, we get to be a part of this is our opportunity before God. This is the joy, this is to see the power of God shape and move the earth, to know that God is with you, that God will move and you can see God act in the world with our own eyes, eyes that have been changed and transformed get to re-enchant this world and it's still it was a precious gift in the beginning and praise be to God it's a precious gift now may God bless us as we seek to understand God's word and we thank the Holy Spirit for guiding us into truth and helping us see these things yes we get to re-enchant the world and live through purpose and we get to do it with God being in us and God moving through us, speaking and bringing Jesus' presence to the world. May God bless you. Amen. This is a question that I haven't, I didn't think about until I was in college. Um, I think I was born into Christianity. I was born into the church. I was very close to my priest growing up. Um, and I was there literally all the time, serving on the altar, working um, just from like Sunday school to being in vacation Bible school, to working in our Sunday school and to working for our vacation Bible school. Um, and it wasn't until I left for college that I realized that I didn't know who Jesus was for myself and it was just something that I had to do. I had to go to church. It kind of felt like a job to me. Um, and when I got to college, I kind of jumped around and looked at different churches and I wanted to see how other people worshiped. So I grew up Episcopalian, um, which my pastor used to say was like Catholic light. And um, it was very traditional. Right, so we kind of read everything from a book um, and we knew when we needed to stand up and we knew when we needed to sit down. And I just wanted to know what else was out there. Um, so I hopped around a little bit in college and then my sophomore year of college, I actually lost my father um, and he was my best friend. So during that time, um, when I was like questioning how I grew up, kind of questioning why I love Jesus. I was also going through a period where I needed Jesus um, more than I had ever needed him before. And I remember saying that if I can be this angry and this hurt and this upset with Jesus, then I must believe that he could have done something differently or I must believe he existed. So it took kind of the both of those things happen at the same time for me to really just kind of dive into, well, who do I need Jesus to be right now? Um, because nothing else worked. So I think I'm a Christian because of his love for me. Um, I'm a Christian because of 
Jesus not giving up on me, even though I totally 100% hated him <laughs> for years. Um, and there's still moments when I'm like, wow, this is awful. I hate this. Um, but he always shows up and he's faithful. And I think church for me and my community um, has been important in defining who Jesus is as well. So I think I'm a person that needs people. I'm definitely shy, definitely quiet, but I need like tangible love. Um, I need hugs and I need company and I need any people around. Um, so in order for me to feel Jesus, I look towards people um, and I look at what people are able to do for me um, in my like imperfection and how they love me in my in my imperfection um and i see that as jesus so going to church for me is being surrounded by jesus right just being surrounded by different people and different aspects of jesus and different um ways that he loves me because people love me differently and i think that's why i miss church so much just because it's very it can be very isolating Right. So being there, being there with your friends, being there with your family, you get to be loved in different ways. Um, and I think Jesus loves us in different ways um, and all of those different ways together. Kind of that's all we need. Right? that's that makes up who we are. So I think that's why I'm a Christian. Um, and that's why I love church and I love being around people and being in community. Good morning, Mosaic. This next song is Beautiful Things by Michael and Lisa Gunger, and I ask that while we sing that you think about something beautiful in your life that you're thankful for, and then that you use the chat function to tell the community about it so we can all celebrate together. Of the dust, you 
Houston by Mary Oliver. Oh, do you have time to linger for just a little while out of your busy and very important day for the goldfinches that have gathered in a field of thistles for a musical battle to see who can sing the highest note or the lowest or the most expressive of mirth or the most tender? Their strong, blunt beaks drink the air as they strive melodiously, not for your sake and not for mine, and not for the sake of winning, but for sheer delight and gratitude. Believe us, they say, it is a serious thing just to be alive on this fresh morning in the broken world. I beg of you, do not walk by without pausing to attend to this rather ridiculous performance. It could mean something. It could mean everything. It could be what Rilke meant when he wrote, you must change your life. How fickle my heart and how woozy my eyes. I struggle to find any truth in your lies. And now my heart stumbles on things I don't know. This weakness I feel I must finally show. Lend me your hand and we'll conquer them all. But lend me your heart and I'll just let you fall. Lend me your eyes, I can change what you see. But your soul you must keep totally free.
Friends, are you getting your newsletter? I really want to know if you are getting it. So if you could like write down in your in the chat, yes, I'm yes, I'm getting my newsletter or something like that to let us know. That would be wonderful because uh, it, it's filled with some really great information, and we just really want to make sure that you're seeing it and that everything with our new system is working well. So let us know. Um, from the last newsletter, I need you to look at it if you haven't. Open it up. We can tell if you open it up. Um, and so that's why I'm asking, because not that many people have opened it. So I got to check, okay? Um, so open it up and take a look. We've included some information about voting. One of the most important pieces is this. There are two envelopes that are required in voting this year, okay? You need to make sure that you complete your ballot, sign the affidavit right on the back, and then you need to make sure that you take your ballot and put it in the privacy envelope, okay? And then take your privacy envelope and put it in the envelope that has the address on the front and seal it, all right? You can only be counted, your mail-in vote can only be counted if there are two envelopes that it, your ballot is sealed in. So make sure you take care of that. Uh, mail-in ballot, uh, mail-in voting centers have been open through the city. You can walk in, uh, uh, get your ballot, fill it out, put it in those two envelopes, and leave it there, and you have voted. You are done. So if that works for you so you can be extra cautious, please do so. If um, you can go to the polls on November 3rd and that's your plan, because we all need to have a plan, then plan to have some water and maybe a little bit of food or snacks because we don't know how long the lines are going to be. Maybe go with a buddy so if one needs to leave, the other can hold your space and back and forth. Um, so you guys are covered. So you got to have a plan because we don't know how long it's going to take. And for those that need to register for a ballot or want more information, um, we're members of power and power has given us some information to share with you. So that's in the newsletter, okay? So check it out. Next, um, we were blessed when we got this property, this beautiful property that's ours. Um, you all decided to put some money uh, to the side and use it as a tithe that would support our community. And you called the program that it was a part of Building It Together. And so within the Build It Up Together, Build It Together program, we still had about $15,000 that we could give away. And so I would like you to know that we have donated 
uh, that, those funds to some wonderful organizations in our community. And I just want to let you know who they are. We have Prevention Point. They uh, do health and empowerment and safety for those who have, who, who have HIV or are dealing with uh, drug addiction and need meals and safe syringes and treatment for overdoses. They cover all those kinds of things to take care of the needy in that way. Uh, we have the Philadelphia Student Union that we are supporting, um, and that helps with uh, supplies for snacks during their marches, uh, bus fare, food for meetings. Uh, they provide citywide support, and we've gifted them with $500. We've gifted um, Prevention Point with $2,500. Uh, we are also supporting Viet Lead a Southeast Asian uh, justice organization. Um, we are supporting them uh, to the tune of uh, 2250. And we have given 5,000 to the Community Bail Fund, Philadelphia Community Bail Fund, to help incarcerated moms get out of jail. Did you know that sometimes people stay in jail for weeks and months and sometimes years at a time because they don't have bail money? For minor offenses, they are left in jail, they can't work, they won't see their kids. So this supports moms in helping them get out so they can be with their kids, support their families. And it's a wonderful thing. Uh, and it answers Jesus' you know, question, you know, when I was in prison, did you come to see me? Did you help take care of me? And we can answer, yes, we did. And then we have the Black and Brown Workers Corp Co-op. Uh, co and um, they actively challenge, resist, and dismantle systems of oppression and adversi uh, that adversely impact the black and brown worker. They push for social and economic liberation for these workers. They do a whole series of trainings to help us in the community learn how to, how to participate in those resistance movements and then lead actions as well. And so we've supported them. They are a citywide organization and we have given them 22, $2,250. And lastly, we are supporting Project SAFE. It supports sex workers and drug users and advocates uh, for harm reduction. And so we want to, again, support those people that in some ways would be invisible, but we want to say you're not. We see you and we're there for you. And so we've uh, together been able to give them $2,500. So I want to say yay and praise God. Uh, that we were able to take that 15000 and put it into our community to support the work going on to make Philadelphia better. Let's pray for those organizations. Our God, we thank you so much that there are people who, Lord, love your world, love your people, love your community, and that have come up with all kinds of ideas and organizations and actions, Lord, that support people who may be invisible. We ask that you would help those organizations thrive. We ask, Lord, that you provide for their needs monetarily. We ask that you would break what we are, have to offer to them and multiply it, that they would have all their needs met for this year and years to come. But especially this year, Father, while COVID is going on and things are extra hard, we pray that it would meet needs, that it would land in good places, Lord, and be used with wisdom and honor, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Lastly, um, two more things. Uh, our wonderful 
worship coordinator has asked that we send in some pictures. She wants pictures of our wonderful, beautiful faces so she can add them to her worship sets, okay? So if you are sitting on one or two pictures or a, a big, I don't know, big file of pictures, because you like to take pictures from the hayride and from Christmas and the pumpkin uh, carving and things like that, we want, or service, we want you to send some pictures to Kennedy Lamascus, our worship coordinator. You can reach her at worship at mosaicphiladelphia.org. So get those pictures in, because I really want to see what she's going to do with them. Um, and then lastly, okay, we have moved to a new database called Planning Center. It is much easier to use. Uh, it is intuitive. It gives you pictures. So, you know, I can almost do like this and find your names and addresses and phone numbers and things, okay? Now, in the newsletter, there's a link for you to connect. Your profile is already there, but we want you to enhance it because you can control your profile. You can control how much you let our church community see in terms of your name, your address, your phone number, your email. You can let everybody see everything. You can reduce it to just an email address, but it needs to be in there so we, the church, know how to contact you. It also will provide for you that as you're giving your offerings and you need a record for some reason, you can go in there and generate that record yourself. It's also going to provide us with a, a more automated way to communicate with one another for our services. Like if I send you an email or something and I'm asking you to say good morning, do a good morning video or something, it'll list all that stuff in there and send out the emails to remind people when things are due. So it just helps. It streamlines AJ's job tremendously and we want to do that. So get in there and update your profile. Plus, you can give me some information about what you do because the old system, I didn't know. So I missed out on taking advantage of how you can help us make Philadelphia better, how you can help serve in the church and outside the church. And I don't want to do that anymore. I want us to be alive and well. No, I'm not going to try to give you a ton of things to do. But when we need expertise, I want to know the people who have the expertise to ask. And when we need support in areas because there are things we don't know about. We want to know who in the church knows these things and who to go to. So fill it in. Tell me what you do for a living. Let me know, you know, what part of the, the, the city you live in or whatever so we can grow. So there, it's intuitive. It'll take you through what you need to know. Look in the newsletter. Get your link. You can use your email address or your phone number to sign in initially and then give yourself your own password to use. So it's a very cool system. So check it out, make the update, do it quick. Let us get that done and over with and signed and it's done, okay? I appreciate that. Um, lastly, let's remember, um, you guys are out and about and sometimes there are needs and some, you know, it's kind of hard telling people that I have a need and I could use some support. So that if you can direct my attention toward places and people that need attention, I'd appreciate it. I want us to remember Bethany Robinson in our prayers. She's recovering uh, from her surgery. Marley is still doing well. Marley Dean is still doing well with hers. She's working a bit. Her kid's in school like yours. Um, and if there's anybody else out there that we need to know about so we can pray for them, let us know. I want to announce it. I want to make sure that we are covering one another in prayer. So, OK. 
Okay, as we close out our service today, I'd like to read the following scripture to you. It's found in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verses 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete, without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who has called you, and he also will bring it to pass. As we look to re-enchant the world, I pray that we would remember these words, that faithful is he who's called us, and God will bring it to pass, that we don't travel this life alone, but God is with us wanting to illuminate, bring light into every situation to show us clearly the path that we need to take. God is with you, Mosaic and friends. God is communicating with you. God knows how to get a message to you and to me, and we can trust that and move forward with confidence, with security. We can be certain of this, that God who began a good work in you, God is able to complete it. So be blessed in the course of this day and in the next week, and remember to allow God to use you so that Jesus will be present in the world where you are. And through you, God will change somebody's life and change you too. So bye-bye. God bless. Be safe. Love you guys.